Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railway. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. The Flyers got their rematch with the Red Wings. The result was no different. They did lose to Detroit for the second straight time. But the Flyers did show much better effort. They did play a much better game. Uh, But no one really wants to care or hear about that probably a whole lot if you're a Flyers fan. But they did look better, and they are facing more injuries again. They were missing nine games. Nine guys in that loss to the Red Wings, 4-2 in Detroit. Does it just feel like it when it rains, it pours with this team? Oh, it feels like it rained, it poured. There was a mudslide that did damage to significant property. And now we're just trying to figure it out with what we have left to work with. That's what truthfully what it feels like. And I think like if you talked, if you Mike Yo's press conference after the Detroit game, that's kind of what he acknowledged was just that, you know, he felt like everybody was trying, the effort was there. It wasn't that they were lacking heart in that game or, you know, the want to win. It's just that at some point you do have to be realistic with what you're dealing with talent level wise. And the Flyers have a lot of guys that they prefer to have developing or playing big minutes down in Lehigh that aren't, they're not just playing for the Flyers. They're playing a decent amount of minutes for the Flyers Again, I wish I had a word or a dollar for every time I said by attrition, but um, it's just there's no choice. And I think that's kind of why it's it's hard to, to sit there and say, well, you got to figure out a way to win with what you got, because right now <clears throat> it's just there was a, a tweet and I wish I remember who it was. I retweeted it, but I'd rather give them credit than pretend like I came up with it with just how many players were unavailable for the Flyers last game against the Red Wings. And I believe there were three full lines worth of players plus two fourth liners and then two D pairs. <laughs> two like So three full lines and two D pairs uh, unavailable, whether it be because they're injured or they're rehab skating now or they were sent down to Lehigh because – the Flyers felt like that was more valuable for those specific assets, kind of talking about Morgan Frost and Cam York, and then they were both injured um, or sick. Uh, York injured, Frost sick, I believe. Um, so, yeah, that's – I mean, that's just insane. And that's why I asked I asked JJ about it last post game because I was genuinely curious. Like, have you ever seen or covered a team, whether it was us, the, you know, the Flyers broadcast or an opposing team – so plagued by injury and he was like you know no one wants to use this as as an excuse but frankly speaking no I have not because it's just it's an insane amount of injuries and then now you know saw Derek Broussard come back and Derek Broussard re-exit the lineup so another centerman down it's just it's unreal it's absolutely unreal the spirit of performance is what defines Acura and now it's electric Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Yeah, Jordan, I I was just going to follow up on that. I mean, we... Just go back a couple things that, that we have talked about on this podcast from a Flyers perspective and kind of reverse it. 
Um, in the in the offseason and after last season, we heard a lot of talk from – I remember Sean Couturier in particular talking about how they needed to be harder to play against. Um, and partly due to injuries and partly due to, you know, quite frankly, just poor play, they have not been hard to play against this year. And it seems like they've become easier to play against as we go on, and a lot of that is due to injury. And the other thing I'll say is – if we think back to the first 10-game losing streak this year, which the idea that you even have to say first shows you where we are in the season. But we talked a lot about how the Flyers needed get-right games. And the problem I see happening now is that other teams are viewing the Flyers as their get-right game. And the Flyers are making teams look better than they actually are. I'm not saying Detroit isn't an up-and-coming team. Steve Eiserman has things pointed in the right direction there. But the Red Wings are not as good as they looked against the Flyers in the last two games. Um, even the parts of the games where the Flyers were, let's say, playing well and you know looked like they had a high compete level, it almost seemed like they were just holding on for dear life, like what bad is going to happen next? And I feel like that is a cloud that hangs over a lot of their games this season is just – what what's going to happen next because what can go wrong is going wrong and that's either whether it be inside the body of individual games or with their lineup and the health of their lineup it, they they're not catching any breaks literally anything not with the lineup not with games not with having get right games i mean they've made they if you even go back to way earlier you know Arizona played a great game against them. The, the Flyers ended up winning the game, but the Flyers have this habit this season now of making teams look better than they are. And, you know, Jonesy says it all the time. When you leave teams' belief and sort of you, 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 you make a team like Detroit believe they're as good as they're playing in those games – and they just feed off of it. And Detroit, in both of these games, got better as the game went on. And, you know, a lot of that, I think, is just to do with – I mean, of course, they're playing well, but the way the Flyers are playing against them probably just feeds right into that. I wasn't upset with the way the Flyers played in that second game, though. I just don't think they're, they're, they've got the talent. Like, And I think that's – you know, I know we were talking about it on post game, and Jonesy kind of brought it up in the broadcast – that that game and there were other games in this losing streak also where this, this the the last the last 10 game losing streak there were games where the flyers played well and then their that one weakness in their armor has been their confidence and it's the one where if you stab that place the rest of it falls apart i don't even know that that was the problem in the last detroit game i just don't think they have they, they don't have enough players to match up with everything that that even a Detroit is throwing at them. And, and Detroit's trying to chase down Boston in the playoff race. And I get they're not, you know, playing like the Rangers or the Caps or the Canes or whatever. But um, like like you said, Eisenman has them going in the right direction. And I don't think the Flyers in that game even have – the tools, it's like if you're trying to build a piece of IKEA furniture and you don't have the tools to get everything to stick together, you don't. And I and I think without acknowledging it in that 
kind of blunt of a way. I do think that's kind of what Mike Yo said after the game. I mean, Jordan, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I thought Mike Yo's post-game press conference was, you know, at some point we have to be realistic with our our personnel here. And I don't think the guys didn't want it or they didn't play hard for it. I just think, you know, we're talking about they don't have centermen. They don't have really finishers outside of uh, Cam Atkinson now. They don't have PKers. They don't – I mean, they're missing – they're changing all of the power play all the time by attrition as well. Like they're missing people that the one thing that I thought against Detroit I saw was defensively, especially like those are the games where you sit there and you go, Kevin Hayes, Sean Couturier, they're not speedsters, but they are big bodies that are, can be very disruptive, good sticks, stuff like that, that you just, you need when you're playing against some of these younger quick players, Detroit looked like they're flying around all over the place. And you sit there and you go, you know, I don't know if this is a team that scores six goals a game like Edmonton, if they have all the pieces that they would normally have. But I know they're a team that could shut other teams down much more effectively if they had any of the big defensive contributors they were supposed to have this year. And when you're talking about Ellis, you're missing Risto in that game. Feel however you want about Risto, but there's at least one goal where you think he puts a body on somebody in front and maybe they're not so disruptive in front. You're missing Sean Couturier. You're missing Kevin Hayes. You're even missing a Derek Broussard down the middle. Like These are the games where I sit there, and I, I think that's why Mike Yo goes, at some point we have to look at our pool, and our pool is what it is, and give the guys credit for what they're doing, but they got to do more if they want to win. It's just a matter of like, how much more can you get from this actual group? Because I think the first losing streak, there weren't a ton of games that the Flyers felt like they deserved to win the game. And, and the loss was clutched from, you know, their grip of victory. Whereas this, the last losing streak, I think they played better. I just don't think they, they have to play perfect to win. Like Cam Atkinson said, and I think they played horrible against Detroit the first game. I think they'll tell you they played horrible against Detroit in the first game. And the second game, you just sit there and you go, this is going to be a brutal few months if this is what is all that's available. I mean, honestly, I mean, Jordan, tell me, you, I, maybe because we're on air and I'm usually taking notes while I'm listening. How did you interpret Mike Yo's post game after that second Detroit loss? Mike Yo was definitely night and day different from the first Detroit game to this one because, Taryn, as you said, it just, I don't think in a fair and objective way he could ridicule this team after the second Detroit game. They just, they don't have the pieces. They just don't. It's like you have to be realistic about the situation. The first Detroit game, they were a little healthier. They had Ristolainen, they had Derek Broussard. They're coming off the All Star break and they really laid an egg at home. So Mike Yo, was fair in criticizing his team and questioning their effort. But this game in Detroit, I mean, you're missing nine players. Eleven, if you include that Morgan Frost and Cam York, were definitely unavailable because they, uh, Morgan was dealing with a non-COVID illness down in Lehigh. Cam York left the Lehigh Valley uh, Phantoms game Friday night with an injury. So 11 guys, really. Your two top prospects plus nine guys on your, your big club roster. I just and, – and they actually outplayed Detroit in some ways. They outshot them. Yeah. Like, they were decent. They were decent that game. They had effort. They lost connecting for a part of the game because his mouth got jacked up by a puck. They, they lost had much better here. puck possession. The puck yeah. possession felt like it was very much in the Flyers' favor in that game. Yeah. I mean – And they lost a, Jerry Mayhew uh, yeah. in the final 10 minutes of the third period. They just don't have the pieces right now. And 
as I was running about the game and listening to Mike Yo, um, I myself, in a fair and objective way, couldn't criticize this team as if like they let people down. It's just they don't have the pieces right now. And to me, I just felt Friday and Saturday was kind of a dark, gloomy day for the Flyers where it was almost like a surrender to the season. Here on Friday, you lose Sean Couturier for the season to back surgery. Ryan Ellis sounds all but done for the season. Kevin Hayes is 50-50 at this point, but given where the Flyers are, who knows if he if he'll play and if he should play. And then they go out and they lose Saturday. And it just made you feel like this is it. Like this, this, the season is almost pretty much behind them, and they have to play out the string and really get ready to retool at the trade deadline and focus on next year. Uh, did Taryn, did you have that feeling? And Joe, did you have that feeling as well? Taryn, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was appreciative that Chuck was transparent in that when we asked him, like, why the Couturier surgery now? Why not? And uh, I listen, I try to be respectful about um, like poking around even off the record about injuries. It was pretty locked tight what Couturier's injury was until he needed surgery. Like no one really was sharing that information. And I understand why, because it sounded like it was a really delicate situation. You're talking about a back injury which is scary. And then they were giving him epidurals. They were trying to do everything non-surgically for as long as they could. And then Chuck was like, basically we were at some point, it was just like, this is not, we'd rather have you at hundred percent for training camp next year than have you at 50% this year and 60% next or whatever. I, I get that. It does give me pause. Um, when you're talking about like, I get heat, they still very much want to win games this season. Like whether or not you're talking about retooling or the trade deadline or not, they're still professional athletes, a professional franchise that wants to win games. They don't want to embarrass, you know, the franchise and the legacy of the franchise, what they're doing here. But I, I do wonder why, like if we're being objective about Kevin Hayes, he's gotten surgery, he's gotten surgery again, he's gotten fluids drained. I'm very curious. And I asked Chuck, what's, going to be the deciding factor on if you shut him down and get him surgery again this year. And he said, basically they're going to try and, and test a few more uh, non-operative things and get some more opinions. And then they'll see what they have to do there. I would almost lead towards if you find a good doctor, you really want, I'm not, who knows? I'm not in those consultations. I don't know, but it does. I think a lot of people wonder like, is the non-surgical really going to work as much as the surgery? We don't know. We're not in those meetings, but I think that certainly raises some fair questions. And I think you wonder the same thing with Ryan Ellis at this point as well. If he's, if he's not coming back and he's not a trade trip chip for you, why not? Whatever has to happen. And maybe that they are doing that and we just don't know, but it does seem like with Ryan, I mean, they said with Ryan Ellis at some point there may be surgery necessary there as well. So you do kind of wonder like why the holdup, but I'm sure they're privy to all kinds of information that we're not. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll it's, it's certainly going to be a really interesting trade deadline for the flyers because there's quite a few pieces that people are talking about. I think Derek Broussard was a, a potentially a nice little trade chip for them to have as well. Um, whether it would be to throw in on another deal that sweetens the pot or, just as an expiring contract guy who adds experience and depth. Um, so I, I do wonder if they're being extra cautious with him here for that reason, or I don't know, because it, that situation is so unique in and of itself. Three times a season, he's come back, played one game, gone out again. That's very unique. 
Um, and I do also wonder if he's done that so many times, if you don't prove that he can play a string of games, you know, and have the endurance, the physical ability to do that, if he is even really, you know, a true trade chip at that point. Um, but yeah, I'd imagine Chuck is sitting at his desk, really trying to call every, every phone that'll pick up and pull every string that he can here. But the Flyers do have some pieces to work with. They do have some pieces on expiring contracts to work with. Those expiring contracts are like gold to, to GMs and contending markets. So we'll see. But yes, it, it very much did feel like um, the, I don't know that I would say like give up on the season is the outlook that they are trying to take more so than we think we're a better team than we are if we're healthy. And at this point, we have to be healthy next year because this year's health situation is a hot mess that is irreparable at this point. That's what I took from it. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher pretty much said with Ryan Ellis, their their focus really is on next season. Uh, but obviously, teams aren't in a rush to make guys have surgery. Uh, and they do have a certain date in mind where they can circle that date and say, hey, he can get the surgery. March 1st, right? They yeah, that. yeah, it sounds like March 1st with Kevin Hayes and Ryan Ellis. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember Chuck said it was about two weeks at Ryan Ellis, which obviously would be right around March 1st. Mike Yo came out and said March 1st is a date. They're circling with Kevin as well. So, you know, keep that date in mind. And, again, if, if, if Kevin Hayes can play and get, be on the ice and not feel like he's in pain and they feel like they, he can get games, and it's not the end of the world if he plays. He practiced as long as a little he, bit today. He did. He, he was, was on the there. ice. He practiced for a little bit. But uh, obviously, this, you know, next season is really the big picture here now with the Flyers, and they need to to be ready to retool and and do their best to be in best situation possible for next season. Joe, does that feel like it's kind of the theme here now with this Flyers season? Yeah, um, and 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 the other thing too is in you know we talked about how the second Detroit game was much better than the first. Like, um, I started to wonder. Have the Flyers become a team that opponents take lightly for part of the games? Because there almost seemed to be like this, and maybe not not so much because the Flyers were able to score and state, but like like a switch flips and then the opponent kind of takes over the game. And I don't think Detroit is necessarily good enough to completely take over a game, but. You know, it, it's it, it's almost painful to see this kind of stuff where, like, you, you mentioned the word surrender. I mean, I don't know how many times in my lifetime I could ever say, I mean, at this point in the season, thinking that that – I mean, you said, you know, how it, it kind of looked that way and it kind of felt that way, and I would agree. Um, but there's, you know – Close to what 40, uh, not 30, whatever their games are left 34, 5, 36 games left. I mean, that's that's a lot of hockey to play with a you know, a team that's maybe in their mind surrendered, and I, it doesn't matter who's playing, you know, it's that's a tough mentality to approach game days with, yeah, and um. But it certainly does seem that way. And I'm not sure without some sort of miraculous turnaround in the health department, how that can change. Because you just, you don't have guys that have enough experience. And 
if you're looking toward the future, the chances are you're going to be unloading some of this experience that you do have that this could get even worse. I mean, and if if that's what they do, I mean, I think we all believe the Flyers have to retool and it has to start at the deadline. The chances are that this is going to get worse um, as we go down the stretch here. And that's just – it's a very bleak thought. Um and not one that is common for this fan base to have at this point in the season. I mean, the the year after the strike in the mid-2000s when they had their worst season in franchise history um, is really the only time that I can remember this being a feeling over the season. And I'll even go back to, you know, a few seasons ago where they, they struggled, they missed the playoffs, but they were never st- – beyond arm's length of a playoff spot. And I think that's the key here. This is um, this is turned into, you know, how far south can this go instead of how much better can this get? This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stopping the Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. I do think the Flyers coaching staff and the players, they're, they're going to try to win hockey games. It's their job. A lot of them are playing and coaching for jobs um, next season. Management obviously has to always think big picture, long game, and that's kind of probably where their mindset is. And, yeah, you you really think maybe after March 21st, the trade deadline, when they're selling off veteran pieces, they're going to be shifting gears to next year in, in the sense of playing younger kids, seeing who is a part of this moving forward, who's not. And that's where, yeah, it can certainly maybe get even, um, you know, more bleak than it already is. Uh, tough season for the Flyers' stomach, that is for sure. Taryn, do you feel like, you know, with a healthy Ryan Ellis, a healthy Sean Couturier, maybe a healthy Kevin Hayes? Like obviously, we know Kevin's dealing with a lot in that core area. But I think the Flyers are hoping he can be back to himself next year, depending on, obviously, where he is conditioning-wise and how he feels. Can this team maybe quickly get back into this, you know, into the playoff picture if they're healthy next year? Uh, I honestly, yeah, I think is people think I'm I'm nuts when I say it, and I really don't care even a little bit. I think when you eliminate a Selkie Trophy winner, who also, I'm gonna be honest, like we did not think he looked like himself all season. Everybody can say that he didn't have a good season before he went out. I didn't think Sean Couturier looked right since the beginning of the season. I think if you add him back in, you add Kevin Hayes back in, if Ryan Ellis can stay healthy, which I know is a huge question mark, but if he can get healthy, if he can stay healthy, you know, if you have Kim York up here next year in a, in a place playing in a position where he can succeed, I think he's shown good things. There's a ton, I think a ton of play. Like when we talk about aggressively retooling, if you take the players missing from the roster and add them to this team, you've already aggressively retooled quite a bit. Um, do I think they still need to add 
talent. Yeah, I I think that they need, and I know Chuck said it. They they do need like top end talent. It's the Flyers need like someone that's even one gear up from Cam Atkinson, who I think was a huge pickup for them this offseason, but they need more finish. They need something there. Um, but I, I do think when people talk about aggressively retooling this team and, and every person that I've like run into, whether it's like out at a bar or in a grocery store or whatever, that wants to talk to me about the flyers, when they talk about aggressively retooling, they talk about the team that's out on the ice right now. And I understand why that's the team that's playing, obviously. But I, I, when I sit there and I talk to them about, all right, well, this is what your lineup looks like with these guys back in it next year. If and when they're health, healthy, hopefully it's February. If next year doesn't start for what eight months, that gives them enough time to get to where they need to be. Um, then how much would you retool the roster? And then it doesn't seem like such a monumental task. Um, and that's the part where I go, okay, it's it's not like there's so many people that want to tear it down to the studs and start all over again. And and I sit there and I'm like, I I get it when you look at what's going on right now, but when you look at what's going on right now, again, I said at the beginning of the podcast, you're when you 11 players, three lines and two D pairs worth of players are unavailable to you. Not even their prospects and they're not playing because they're not better than the players on the ice. They're, they're key, key players in your lineup. Um, So I think, do I know that they're a cup contender if all those pieces come back? No. But do I think that they're a, a playoff team or a potential playoff team? Yeah, I do. Um, so it's just – but it's it's hard. It's hard to even have that conversation again because you want to deal in sports with what you're – I mean, we have to cover what we're dealing with. What we're dealing with is the team the Flyers are putting out on the ice right now. And I think that team will look very different in terms of style and ability next year, just with getting healthy players back, but there's still an entire season to play right now. And that's where I think it feels like it's so far out of reach. So it'll certainly be interesting, but I just think, again, it's not just random players that are injured, getting surgeries, long-term injuries, missing dozens and dozens of games. It's top line players. It's $7 million a year players. It's top D pair players. It's, I mean, it is really so many big, big names, big bodies, big players who eat big minutes and do big things for the team. Um, And when you lose those players, they leave big holes. And that is where we're at. And I will just add to that, Jordan, that, you know, last year when everyone used the retool, it was kind of, we need to retool, and hopefully Carter Hart is back. This year, I think that Carter Hart has proven he is back. So it's a different approach. It, it, is, as, it, it is potentially as simple as getting your top line guys back, making a few moves, and then you have your goalie. So there's not this big uncertainty hanging over the team um, about their – prized, you know, franchise backbone goaltender that quite frankly had a disastrous season last year. Um, He has, uh, to me, remained even keel um, this season. You know, he's had a few down games, but I mean, any goaltender would. 
the days of a goaltender carrying a team by themselves, I think, are days of the past in the NHL. And even if you look at when that was a thing, like when Martin Brodeur did it, he had Scott Stevens and Scott Niedermeyer and just big-time defensive players all over the ice for those Devils teams. So it's not like he did that by himself either. And, you know, if 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 they can count on Carter Hart coming back and playing at the level he's played at this season, and there's no reason to believe that he can't, I think the retool is easier. 100%. Like, that's why, like, people outside, they, they, they just say rebuild, start from scratch. Like, it's, it's a real easy way to say that. But, like, do you really not like certain pieces here on this team? Like, Joel Farrelly's a kid to like. Carter Hart, I think, is a still, like, a 23-year-old goalie that has had immediate success already in the NHL. Like, there are some pieces here. Uh, Sean Couturier is probably not going anywhere. <laughs> His new deal just kicks in next year. Because it's cool, Jordan, it's cool to be the person who's overly critical and then proven wrong in a positive way than be a person who's can try to glean some positives and might miss on a few and it's oh egg on your face. But the rea- I think the reality of the situation is like you're saying, Joel Farabee, Sean Couturier. I do think a healthy Kevin Hayes is a good player to have on your team. I think Cam York's given you reason to be optimistic. Carter Hart has given you lots of reason to be optimistic. I have liked Martin Jones so far this season. I thought, you know, I would like to see Provorov with Ryan Ellis. I thought when they played together, I liked the way Provy looked. I know that sample size is about this large, but there, there's there there is a lot. I mean, even Oscar Lindblom looking strong again. Like that's if that's a guy on your third or fourth line um, when he's playing with confidence. When he's on the fourth line and he doesn't have confidence, I get that's a whole other thing. But when when he's playing strong with his hockey vision and he's on the third line, Scott Lawton has proven to be a depth player that I think any team would like to have a guy like that in their dressing room. There are positives to glean. The problem is, is there not enough positives to put together a 60 minute game. And that's where they lose games. And they lose a lot of games by like one goal, because again, trying to piecemeal something here. But if you look at the parts there, like there are parts to like, and that's where I think it becomes it cooler to be bah humbug and then you're proven wrong and it's a happy surprise versus sitting there and going I really like Scott Lawton and the next year he has a dud season and then it's like oh who's the person who liked Scott Lawton you know and that's just that's always how sports fandom's gonna go especially here in Philly I grew up in it I do it to other teams but it's it just I sit here and I'm like I don't think I don't think you know you paint one room of the house the wrong color do you burn the whole house down no yeah. So maybe let's let's take a step back. Yeah. And the interesting thing is nobody wants to fo- like nobody tends to focus on positives. And I think the Carter Hart thing is a big positive. This city has a, such a negative history with goaltending though. I don't think that people they they kind of just go, "Okay, well they're losing a bunch of games. It's got to be in part because of the goaltending." And nobody cares to as Taryn said, it's it's cooler to be that, you know, just blow everything up and start over, then like, okay, well, this this is a foundation piece. You almost feel like it's um you, you with the goaltending, you you we've almost I don't know if I want to say take it for granted this year, but I feel like we do. It's like he plays a good game 
and they lose. He plays an okay game, they lose, and he plays a bad game, and they lose. The same thing happens no matter how he plays. So we just kind of take for granted the games that he plays well. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, I never thought I'd get to the point where I'd say we take goaltending for granted in the city. I mean, before I was born, maybe with Bernie, but, yes. you know, at least in my lifetime, it's been, you know, uh, Claude Lemieux scores from the blue line in a huge spot against Ron Hextall. And it's, you know, just a few years back, Steve Mason gives up a goal in the playoff series against Washington from center ice. I mean, it's always been those kind of things. So I feel like when the goaltending's good, it doesn't get enough credit here. And when it's bad, it just gets lumped in. It, everything just gets lumped into the badness. Yeah. And then people think, well, we need to blow everything up because everything's bad. And that's not necessarily what I would take because – to me, if you were to say to me, pull any positive out of this, I don't have to stretch that far to take Carter Hart as a huge positive out of this season. Well, and in the in the uh, what is the phrase here? In the something of Valentine's Day, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, it's like when a guy cheats on you, and every guy you date after that, you like are terrified they're going to cheat on you, and you act like a psycho. I wouldn't know anything about that, but it's it's like this town has this weird PTSD with you know goalies have let us down before and I and I get it last year scared a lot of people last year was a horrible horrible like if, when you think about the way last year affected every inch of your life if you're anyone out there same thing happens to pro athletes I get they have like lots of money and a cool job but the same thing happens to them and they like really weren't allowed to see anyone throughout it I think some of that did affect Carter and we've talked about that at length but I I, I almost I almost can appreciate the non-narrative that Carter has become this season just because even when he does play a bad game, it doesn't feel like, you know, the sky is falling. I think when he plays a good game, it gets lost a lot because they lose. Um, but we even brought it up on the last show. I think he had a 9-13 save percentage and nine wins. What, what other goalie in the league do you know has a save percentage over 900 and less than double-digit wins at this point in the season, for as many games as Carter started, I mean. Um, it's just – it's – and, I, like, after the amount of attention and criticism and stuff that he got last year, you're right, Joe, I do think we take it for granted, but I almost am a little bit refreshed by the idea that it's not – the whole the weight of the world does not – is not sitting on Carter Hart's shoulders, and it used to. And I also think he's he's – kind of figured out a way to become like Teflon to a lot of it too. Like even after losses, he, in, in losses where he's played well, you can tell it bothers him that they lost, but it doesn't affect him on like a psychological level that carries knock on wood. But um, I, I almost, maybe it's because we talked about it at nauseum last year on pre and post game, but I can almost appreciate that. Like even Martin Jones, I mean, there's games where he's looked just okay. And they've lost by one goal and it's been because they didn't score and not because Martin Jones let in like three leaky goals. It's because they let, you know, they let in three goals and they scored two and you can't win game scoring, can't win a lot of hockey game scoring two goals. And it, it's kind of been a non narrative for him as well. And then when we go to do a goalie segment on pre or post game, like how many times have we done this where we go to do a goalie segment and we look at their numbers, whether it's over the 10 game losing streak or the whatever, so on and so forth. And we're like, Oh yeah, like actually they played pretty well and they actually save they make a ton of saves against high danger scoring chances or you know this, that, and the next thing. 
it's just become a non-narrative. But I think part of that is because the team in front of them is so decimated that it's such a huge storyline. But it might be a good thing. On Friday, when I was seeing that these two crucial pieces are basically going to be done for the season, Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis, played a combined 33 games. I mean, two guys didn't even combine for close to half a season. Two crucial pieces. If you told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have thought the Flyers were in serious trouble and that there was about no chance they'd make the playoffs. I think most fans would agree with that too. But, like, you got to be angry in the moment. You can't, like, look back and say, hey, these two crucial pieces were hardly available. And if you told any fan probably that at the beginning of the season, they would have been like, yeah, we're going to be in trouble. But, like, no one's really thinking that right now. They can't realize that. They're just going to be angry because everything else is ugly. The numbers on the page are ugly. That's why I like Danny Briere is so funny. Danny Briere is this, he is this hero in Flyers fans' minds. But the second he went up there on that stage at his press conference and said, it's not as bad as the paper shows, boy, did everyone just turn on Danny Briere. Or at least I noticed that on social media. It was just funny. Um, here's this guy that everyone loves. And he says one thing that maybe acts like this is not as bad as it is. And Danny Briere suddenly is one of them. He's, you know, he, like, you know, you can't be positive these days. And I understand fans' frustration, but you also have to look at the, the injuries. You have to look at nine guys being out and understand this is not the Flyers team anyone envisioned. Uh, so well, now- Jordan, you know what? Jordan, you said two crucial words there to the not being positive. Social media. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes on Twitter to tell people how great things are. That's very true. That's so, very true. You know, so, so I think that that has a lot to do with it because, you know, right. people don't tell you people don't rush to Twitter to tell you that it's sunny outside or anything like that. So, yeah. you know, um, I'm I'm sure the trigger fingers were ready for the right. tweets about, you know, Briere kind of putting a positive spin on things um, on his first day on the job. Now, what would have been the reaction if Danny Briere came out and said, this is awful? Everything's awful. Yeah. Then would have you know you, you would have had. I feel like when he sat down with us, he kind of acknowledged they were awful. If I'm being honest, I think he kind yeah. of was like, "They're bad now, but I can promise you, without doing a lot, it'll be better next year." Just from a health standpoint, and even that, it was a little too complimentary for some people's taste. And you get like we see this is where I try to put myself in, in other people's shoes. Like I do understand fans pay really good money for their tickets and to watch this team and they buy the jerseys and whatever, like we get the luxury that like we get paid to go watch this sport. And, and, but when I, you know, when someone talks to me about like, I have season tickets to this year and half the season, you know, it's, it's Lehigh Valley Phantoms just by health situation. You get why to hear like a, but here's the silver lining from someone you're like, save it for a different day. Like, I just can't hear it right now. But I, I do think like in a credit to Danny when he was on pre and post game and, and Danny's supposed to be a great talent evaluator, hockey evaluator, player evaluator. Um, he was pretty like, yeah, it's, it's certainly not great. But the good news is, is that it should get significantly better without doing anything but getting guys healthy for next season. And that is true. I mean, that is true of this team. It should be a significantly better team with health. Problem is, is like Jordan, we were talking about at the beginning of the pod here, like your question is that it didn't seem like that press conference the other day, the focus has now turned from 
chasing that 1% chance of making the playoffs to finding good doctors, getting guys in the right rehab systems and getting them good for next year. And you are asking a lot of fans to, to sit here and say, Hey, we still have almost a half season left. And this is for the long-term benefit, what we have to do. It is an ask. It's people's time. It's their money. It's a fan base that they love. It's a team that they love. Like, um, and that's, you know, means a lot to them. Yeah, I feel for Flyers fans because they've been asked to be patient for a long time now. And now they're being asked to be patient even more. And that's tough. I I mean, if I was a Flyers fan, it would be a tough ask to say, hey, be patient. Let guys get healthy. We're going to retool here. But, you know, we have to look to next season. Like, that's tough for fans, for a fan base that has had to, to utilize patience a ton. And they're being asked to do it more. So we understand fans' frustration. Um, but management has to look at the positives and then they have to address how they can support the positives and make something out of next season. Um, and the Flyers do have pieces. I think that's why you hear a lot of national people when they look at the Flyers, they're so confused by this perplexing state because it's like, man, it's like they, they, they do have some pieces. Like they do have some guys. What went wrong there? So I think that's why some people outside this, uh, market is kind of like they're confused by it because there is some things to like here. Uh, on a, on a, sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but before you no. get away from that point, just because it's interesting, on a national level, it's interesting as well. Like the way people talk about the Flyers and the way people talk about the Canadians are mm -hmm. so different. And they're teams that feel like they're not in entirely different situations, except for the fact that, like, it, the, the attitude towards the Flyers almost seems like, what a bad luck year. Let's see what they can do next go around. And the, the vibe towards the Canadians is, oh my gosh, what are they going to do? Who are they going to sell off? What are they going to get? How long is that going to take? How did this team fall so hard so quickly? Whereas it, it almost seems like that like confusion and panic when it comes to the Flyers from on the national level is much more like, tough, tough break this season. Can't believe it's it's gone to that level in terms of the bad luck, but let's see what they can do next go around. And when you're on a national level and you're not as invested and entrenched as people in the market in the area, you understand how it's a little bit more digestible for them to say that than for any of us to say that. Um, but it is that, that national standpoint, Jordan, it does interest me because like Montreal – Montreal is not in a dissimilar situation in terms of kind of, oh, how the mighty have fallen. The Flyers looked really good two seasons ago. I think people expected them to bounce back this year. The Canadians were in the Stanley Cup final last year. I know they had some retirements and players move and whatever, but the, the entire vibe around the Canadians is the conversation around the Canadians seems to be a different tone than it is around the Flyers, which is very interesting to me. Very indeed. And I think the conversation will certainly be interesting the rest of this season. Uh, the Flyers are not in a good state in terms of wins and losses, but there's still plenty of intrigue in terms of what will Chuck Fletcher do in March before the trade deadline, who will be here, who won't, uh, what kids are going to jump up and maybe take some jobs and get a head start on jobs for next season. Still plenty of intrigue, and we'll make sure we cover it all right here on the Flyers Talk podcast. Joe Fordyce, great to see you. Great to chat with you. Thanks so much. Taryn Hatcher, great seeing you. Great chatting with you. Thanks so much. 
Catch Flyers pre- and post-game live coming up on Tuesday with our very own Joe Fordyce and Taryn Hatcher. Uh, a big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.